0: Whether it's dismantling the fossil fuel industry, creating a solar-powered utopia, or simply desiring to hear more birds in the sky than planes, this is Idealistically, a podcast where we discuss what we would idealistically want in an ideal world. Ah, we are back to a normal virtually recorded episode of idealistically this time around at the time of recording i am preparing to go up to cop 26 which will be in full swing by the time that this episode goes out into the world cop 26 or cop for those of you who don't know i'll give a very brief summary is the conference of parties where a lot of world leaders and governments, all the policymakers and people like that, come together to negotiate and put into place plans that can help us take climate action and hopefully help us mitigate the worst effects of the climate crisis. I'm in a bit of a strange mindset, I'm not gonna lie. I'm in one of those mindsets where nothing I do seems like it's enough, nothing I see other people doing seems like enough. I'm waiting for the real radical revolution. You know, I've seen news reports which say that current Um, government plans across the globe will lead us to 2.7 degrees of global warming. Things like this really aren't helping the mindset. I sat on my high street recently and I looked at all the shops and I looked at the bank that's funding fossil fuels and I went on a bit of a climate spiral, I'm not gonna lie. I don't share this to fill anyone with a sense of hopelessness, I just share it to be real and I try and do this you know, a bit of a check-in every now and again, and that's just where I'm at. And I know that from sharing this on my Instagram and on social media that a lot of other people are relating. Realistically, a climate summit which has been going on for 26 years isn't going to solve all of our problems overnight, and if it does, I think we'll all be very surprised. I am really interested to see what does come of it, and also I'm interested to see what my experience of being in and around COP26 is like. I know that it's set up to be One of the most exclusionary conferences of the parties, which is really disappointing. It goes to show how little that the UK have done to actually open it up to people who deserve to be there. I'm not going to be a delegate. I'm not going to be in the negotiation rooms. But I'm interested to see what the environment and the atmosphere is when so many people are going to be there calling for real change and real justice. If you're in need of a little bit of respite from COP26 coverage and news headlines and stories then I hope that this episode can be just that. I'm speaking to someone who is now a friend of the podcast and is just a lovely creative being and I really hope you enjoy listening. (music) Thank you for joining me, this is the first time I've had a guest who has been like an actual Drew fan of my podcast so this is exciting. Um, So I like everyone to introduce themselves so please yeah introduce yourself. Hello,
1: I'm (laughs) Natalie Byrne, I'm an illustrator and an author, my work usually centres around social issues, mental health, education and honesty and I'm also an author. I always forget to say that. Did I say that? <laughs> but I am such a fan of this podcast. I I listened to when the first episode came out. I think it got recommended to me, and yes, it's a a wonderful podcast. I've been obsessed with.
0: Oh, thank you so much. That's so good to hear. I think i I think I discovered your art and your work, and just you as a person within my time on Instagram. But then, like, since having the podcast, and also. Um, you did some work I think related to um, a protest action I did about greenwashing and I was like you know what actually I love what you do so yeah I'm glad I like properly discovered um, discovered you Natalie and I'm glad I get to have this conversation you might you'll be pretty familiar with how this podcast works i like to ask to kind of ease us in kind of setting the tone of whether you find it easy at the moment to envision an ideal world
1: um I sometimes do and I sometimes don't. I think it depends on my mental health and how I'm feeling. Um, but when I don't, and I and I start to get into a negative mindset, I, I really take a lot of inspiration from my own family. So my mum is from Chile, both of my parents are, are immigrants, but my mum's from Chile in South America. And I mean, so much has happened in both of our generations. And that reminds me of how much, things can change through the generations. I mean, my grandma on that side, I she had to work when she was a child, like she had no shoes. And that, there's so many stories that I just have to either speak to my grandma or speak to my mum. And I get filled with so much hope with how much can change. And that that really helps me keep positive. But if I'm having a bad day, I'm like, oh, everything's crap. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah you can you have to sit with both it's nice that you can draw especially on like your family who are really are quite close to your family like have being able to like draw on that is really special and you say your work is grounded in like honesty so you know you've got to be honest with yourself that sometimes actually it's really really hard
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely and I think that that's like the whole nature of how things have gotten how they are and how the world ends up being in a bad place is because I think people start to very much believe like oh there's nothing I can do I'll just continue or they start to get I mean that's the whole capitalism thing I think it's the whole reason why we are where we are is because so many people are like oh what's the point of voting nothing will change and hope is so important in in making things
0: making things change so when you've got that hope with you what is the first thing that comes to mind when you envision your ideal world uh safety and freedom
1: those are the first things that come to my mind and yeah that's really all I want I think it's like a feeling for me and I think the feeling is very much how like when I'm with someone who makes me feel safe like my boyfriend that almost like I don't feel especially with the news how it's been lately I never really felt safe as a woman on my own walking down the street and so that's the first thing when I was walking and thinking about this question I was just like oh just be so nice to feel safe and for everyone to feel safe
0: and have that freedom. The fact we have to imagine that and to ask for that is just it brings out the rage in me <laughs> like the the bare bare minimum is that everyone should feel safe so yeah and I guess like you kind of saying like it's easier for you to like envision things and create an image in your mind what does that image of a safe world look like um
1: that's hard that's actually really hard I feel like that's like my whole career <laughs> <laughs> um that's my bio no. <laughs> um yeah I think oh I think when it, looking at a picture that makes you feel safe could be so many things but also I think I, I very much feel like a huge part of my work is what happens after you look after the pretty picture um I think there's so much room for art to be beautiful but I feel like my work is usually about okay what happens after you look at the pretty picture and how to share um either ways that make people feel less alone because i think i'm i'm very much about how to like put this oxygen mask on yourself and then you can help others um but yeah i think it's more like less to do with what the picture looks like but what it inspires people to do afterwards Mm.
0: and like I guess like how do we maintain that level of safety and comfort equally as important for sure because we'll get the ideal world, but then how do we keep it that way (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) humans are humans are very interesting creatures and we don't always like to (laughs) keep things nice and comfortable and safe uh,
1: so yeah we repeat the same mistakes over and over again
0: hopefully not Let's not, let's not imagine that world where we do it all over again. <laughs> what would you keep from the current world for your ideal version? And it can be anything. It can be a nice, hopeful image. It can be something very small in your day that you enjoy. Whatever comes to mind.
1: Oh, I think it would be people. Like the good, the good people. <laughs> My family. People I love. My boyfriend, you <laughs> bunch of other nice people, yeah, I think it would be people because I think the, the there's so many good people in this world, um,
0: yeah, I think maybe some nature, maybe some tea, some cozy corners. love that I think actually people is a good one because I think especially in the age of like social media, we almost need reminding that there are good people because unless you like constantly are looking for the good people and surrounding yourself in good people and following good people then you might forget. I sometimes do, but then also I think I've I've been very intentional with who I do follow online and stuff like that. Like I actually feel like compared to some people have quite a positive time online because of that. Um but I know people who struggle with it a lot. Um so yeah, we do need we do need good people. Whether there's always that discussion though around what is a good person. So That's a whole other conversation, but we do need that reminder.
1: Yeah, I wrote in my notes after that question, like, maybe not my dad, (laughs) (laughs) Do we keep that in? (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. I think it's just, it's hard, isn't it? Because it's like, I mean, when I was little, I used to just imagine, like, why can't we just put all the good people on one island and it'd be great? Um, And then you grow up and you realise, like, mm, like, oh, it's hard, isn't it, to think what is a good person and what what defines that I think it's about intention right
0: yeah and also like leaving space for people to get better because we can all get better in so many ways I think especially in this past year for example just looking at people annoyingly having to open their eyes up and I put hold my hands up and put myself in that box of people being awoken about you know racism and systemic racism and stuff like that it's like we can all do better so it's like we can't just be like these are good people those are bad people because there has to be some gray area of like getting better as a collective as well um but we need good people that's supposed to be a building block of all our ideal worlds: is people and all the positives that come out of creating loving Wonderful spaces with these people, <laughs> whoever they might be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's something I really like. As I've been getting older, kind of understanding that. Um, whereas when I was younger, everything was m- way more black and white, good, bad, um, like baddies and goodies. Whereas I've definitely grown up and and feel like that grey area is is what I'm curious about. I think there's there was a thing I read ages ago about how like the people it's more just like systems that are built to create the system that we know <laughs> and then the people have blind spots um, but then there also is like I think it's intention like you can make mistakes but if your intention is good if you're trying
0: better than nothing you know to give it a good try So about you, and how that influences your visions and all good stuff like that. Um, how do you use your art to engage in that version of a better future?
1: I think, like I said before, it, it's 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 very much how I how I think about art is, especially the work that I do about trying to put that oxygen mask on yourself so that you can help others, and like not being able to fill up your own cart so that you're not working from an empty cup and I think that so much of my own problems and my own times when I've been in low places of mental health have been could have been easily solved with um some education and some other people telling me stories about how you know things that were very vulnerable but because of shame or these systems that have been put in place, we we don't often talk about the difficult things. And what's enabled me to get to a really good place with my own mental health is has just been listening to others like share their stories. Um, and so, yeah, I think that I love just sharing, making making people feel less alone. And then everyone can make, I don't know, I just, I would love for education systems to be better. I'd love parents to pass on information to their children that would be helpful and like lots of other places to learn in order to kind of eliminate shame and eliminate being um, unable to seek help for your mental health. And I think that that would, I just think that that would just be such a wonderful place to exist if, if we had all these stories to share. And I do think that happens a lot more on social media now than ever before. Um, and it's so nice to see. Um, but then again, even with Instagram and like censorship of of uh, sexy content, <laughs> it's really hurting like education online. Um, and yet we still have to remember that so many people don't have access to technology or internet or don't have a phone so yeah it's not it's easy to be like oh it's changing but it's you know not everyone has access to the internet um so yeah i like to use my own vulnerabilities and and my own mistakes or failures and share them and and lessons i've learned because i feel like how i've been able to build my own confidence and build my own creativity and kind of be able to do what I wanted to do, which is be be an artist, I suppose. Um, I had so many blocks with confidence. And also knowing that I could make political work and have a good career. Um, I had lots of people early on tell me that I wouldn't get anywhere if I made political work. (laughs) And I get that that was coming from a safe space of, of, well, someone trying to protect me and trying to see that I had some sort of talent, and they wanted me to. This was my art teacher that told me this. <laughs> they wanted me to go on to uni to do something creative and have a career, but they thought that me being like controversial was going to hold me back. Um, and I listened to that for a really long time, and um, it wasn't until after graduation I started. To, I did a bit of political work in my final year, um, but after graduation, I started drawing again. And then that's when it was like the era of kind of Brexit was starting to happen and Trump was starting to happen and lots of people were starting to become aware that we had big issues that needed to solve. Whereas I feel like when I was a teenager, it was really like the vibe I kind of grew up with in school was, yeah, nothing will ever really change, so we'll not vote whereas after i graduated the kind of zeitgeist i don't know if that's the right word but there there was like people were starting to kind of be open to learning and so yeah i think i mean what we all know is our own stories and the things that have helped us get to where we were, where we are uh yeah i think that sharing those kind of things for me with my mental health and um how I found my voice I feel like that's what I know so I can share it if that makes sense yeah so basically
0: like your work is it kind of again go back to like the the building blocks of like a better world is like if we can create a safe space safer spaces which are we can learn off of each other we can be more vulnerable we can share the things that society doesn't want us to share then we can yeah it, create a better world just having that as like the foundation for sure i, I really appreciate that Less Mars, more before Mars. Happier birds. Diverse representation. what your um art teacher told you look at us now the illustrators with social justice at the core <laughs> <laughs> i speak from an experience of like i've had moments where i've been like hmm is me like sitting in a shop window with like a swear word on my top like a potential illustration client's gonna see that and be like nah and then like I'll get a new piece of work I'll be like they don't they don't care if anything it helps because it's like it creates a niche of you know they're wanting to do better so they're gonna work with people who are trying to do better so
1: exactly and I think as well so much of art is political and always has been it always has been and Um, like write to I don't know the Greeks and their poetry and it's just if you there's a really good phrase I don't know who said it I probably should have looked up first but it was like if you're not going to make art that reflects the times then what's the point of art and I think that you can always if you're really passionate about something you can always try and make a career that fits you i think the advice of where this person wanted this art teacher wanted me to go wasn't what i wanted for myself so i didn't need to listen to his advice because it was wasn't wasn't where i wanted to be and then yeah i think that it's just closed-minded and and also like i love listening to young young people and like because they're the future, so it's almost like, if an older, it's almost like, I'm not going to listen to the advice of someone who, kind of, doesn't see what I see.
0: Yeah, and I think, especially in, like, this day and age of, like, the climate crisis, and all this stuff, where they just, older people, if you're listening, which I know, according to my Spotify stats, you're probably not, (laughs) um, if you're listening, um, like, you probably just don't understand the level of, like, anxiety about the future that we have and how that is going to go into our decisions. Like, I feel like it's just become a meme now within young people that we do stuff because well we might not be able to in the future We're like the world is ending so we may as well do what we want we are just probably not gonna get it and that's okay but also i say that and i'm like we need intergenerational uh solutions to the climate crisis so please also help us and don't leave it all to the young <laughs> yeah. do you, do you want to know what someone uh, an an older woman recently said to my face oh, i'm just waiting for the young people to do something and i was like who are you talking to <laughs> i was literally just like no Oh, that makes me very annoyed. Please don't say that to my face. Ugh. Yeah.
1: Well, I have like lots of... I don't know whether it's maybe a Western thing because it, my family in Chile... Um, my mum grew up in a in a dictatorship and I have family that... It's very, like, not common knowledge, but in Chile there was a dictatorship where socialism rose and then um, there was a dictatorship funded by... Um, I think it was the American CIA I'm pretty sure you can google that and it's like on google as a fact Um, and yeah they just tortured and killed the opposition and I have a lot of family who are very um, much like terrified because of you know it was a similar thing that not like the what happened in World War II where neighbours would kind of um dub in other people to protect themselves and there there's very much when i go to Chile, i very much ask questions and people are so terrified because i still think like rooms are bugged or someone will tell someone something and there's this huge fear with speaking about it um and so i think that that also really interests me about how so many people imagined a future that was different for a better life and then the impact of a dictatorship how that can like affect generational fear but there was loads of protests in about 2019 where people were still kind of raising the similar issues uh in chile and it was mass protests and seeing the seeing my cousins go out to protest and where their like lives could be at risk was so scary but you know, I think it comes in it comes in waves that people kind of gather, and then ideas get shared, and then you know a better future gets thought out. And then, I mean, most countries in South America have a have a dictatorship, have had like a series of dictatorships where they where they have this kind of like everyone believes it, everyone f- starts to fight, and then this kind of like um, dictatorship will happen and suppress
0: everything. My knowledge of that is is. I, well I don't know a lot about it at all so that's very interesting and something you just don't even think of is like how stuff that happened quite a long time ago is still having such an impact on how we can make progress now um it just you know when you just think you've thought everything you can think about all the world's issues and then like it gets so now even bigger I'm like thank you for adding to the <laughs> other ways of looking at things But so, yeah it's just like it's never-ending, but also so important to, to learn about this stuff and to see it from all these different angles, for sure. I kind of wanted to go on from that and, like, kind of talk about art and politics and, I guess, obviously... I'm primarily focused on climate justice and, and most of the conversations on the podcast revolve around that. So I was just wondering how you think, how do you think art can play a role in tackling issues like the climate crisis?
1: It has such a huge role. And I think it's it's mainly because, I mean, stats and facts, they have their purpose. And I think this has come up on other episodes of the podcast, but they, they have a great purpose. Um, but art has so much power to kind of create emotional response it also it can cross barriers of language it's such a there's such a freedom in, in art I was thinking about how well Catholics they burn a lot of kind of Greek poetry that was very um LGBTQ plus and um the Nazis they burnt books and how that that was also very much a thing in, in a lot of dictatorships, how the art was burnt to kind of destroy it. And how, I don't know, I think that that we forget that how important art can be or, or visual communication is, is like well, what I studied at uni, graphic design. And I was so interested about how we can communicate through visual language because it can be communicated what you're trying to say in like an instant. Whereas if you have to read a book, you have to to read a whole book (laughs) and then you have to read a certain language. Um, But an image can be so, can cross all those boundaries um, and barriers um, as well as create emotion. My mum always plays like Chilean protest music and it's such a big thing in in our house. and so it's like music and books, but my favourite thing is the visual language and, and how images can be can make sense immediately. Um, and sometimes I write a whole essay and then I'll be like, oh, I could just make an image about this and it means the same. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think in the climate crisis, I think that it plays a huge role because of those things, because it can create that emotional response and also it can um yeah, be be inclusive for different languages and facts facts have a great purpose and numbers are great um but i think the two together can be can be great magic and um yeah everyone is on their phones right now so visual a visual language and understanding how to use that well is like the number one way how we communicate now whereas maybe before it would have been the written word or um, speeches or something else but right now we're, visual communication is like the number one way to communicate an idea fast and quickly.
0: Yeah definitely it's a really good point you make about how it can transcend language and you know everyone can hopefully understand what's being being said through visuals and I think that's one reason like I really enjoy making climate related art because I hope that what I do, like, the emotion just is there and is easy to translate in whatever way. Um, And I think that is really important, especially when, like, I find, like, the emotions that I try and portray in my my artistic work is, is trying to kind of combat the fact that it's just not shown anywhere else. Like, it's not really shown in the mainstream. Like, we don't talk about climate enough as much as people in the climate space might think we do. Like, it's just not there. So my my aim is always to just try and fill that gap and be like does anyone like relate because it feels like no one does and then as soon as one person is like that like hit me like that's what I feel I'm like "Ah, it was all worth it um so that's why art is important because it it does if you can connect with one person then I think it adds to the whole ripple effect whether that's action or just going back what, what what you were saying earlier about how like art can make us feel seen and can build those building blocks of like okay well if this is how someone else is feeling then where do we go from here Um, and how do we like solve those issues so very much agree and yeah we this I think this should be our call out to like have more people make art about the climate because we need it um desperately
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely
0: fun question about who helps you engage with your imagination let's give some shout outs are there any artists are there any pieces of art that you've seen where you've been like huh that's really like that's made me want to step into a better world anything that comes to mind that you want to share be great to know
1: yeah I think I have some favorite artists I love uh Franerd who's um also by the same name on YouTube and She really taught me how to be vulnerable with my work, Um, as well as, I love Andy J. Pizza, talks a lot about mental health um, in his work. But I think it it really comes to stories and and other people and talking to other people really inspire me. Um, I have a friend, Gabby, who runs Bloody Good Period who really inspires me, and Kenny Jones, and my friend Venus Libido, and yeah, just I love conversations, and and I think that that's so. That is really my biggest inspiration is listening to other people. That's why I love your podcasts and learning from other people. And yeah, stories of my grandma, and I think that. Maybe a lot of my work comes from that I didn't really see artists talk about what I wanted to talk about, <laughs> um, especially when I was younger. I never really connected with, like, traditional art, like Monet or anything like that. I feel like a terrible artist for saying that. That's, that's, people are going to hate me. <laughs> no, actually, the books Jacqueline Wilson... I'm so interested by where this is going. <laughs> and the illustrator that did those books is... Um, Nick, is it Sharat or Harat? Oh, I'm terrible A fan. Like the Tracy Beaker stories and that kind of art was like the huge influence for me. My influences, my art influences, are so like Powerpuff Girls or something like that. But I, yeah, connecting that colorful art style with um, conversations I have with my family or friends and putting those two things together, I love and yeah I just I love talking about how much things can change especially with my grandma and I was on the phone to her last Sunday and it's just wild to remember her stories I remember she had to work at a really young age I I think she left home when she was like 15 and she had like no shoes and she was completely illiterate she couldn't do numbers or anything but she got a job in a bakery and like worked her way up to till um and things things like that really just like set my soul on fire where where it just makes me want to make art and um especially people sharing like the struggles they've been through are so inspiring to me and and yeah talking to other people who do really cool things and seeing like other people in make change happen like all the other incredible guests you've had on this podcast so inspiring and I, I think conversations is so I just love I love listening to all the conversations and seeing that people are making like
0: their little steps to make the world a better place oh it's just so inspiring again it goes back to just people and like having proof that people can do good things yeah it's a nice reminder that we need so yeah thank you for sharing all those people and artists and as always it will be in the episode description because I like to be helpful and put everything down there um so yeah thank you for that The fun question of the episode that we all love to hear and we all love to play the game. (laughs) What would you invent in your ideal world? What is Natalie's invention?
1: I feel like I did like a selfish one, Um, but I just really miss my family in Chile right now and I haven't seen them at all. So my thing I'm going to invent is like an eco-friendly teleportation device because I hate flying and flying is so bad for the world. Um, That's what
0: I would invent, so I could hug my family. That's actually a very similar answer to previous guest, Joycelyn Longdon. So we've got two guests who are wanting the same thing, so maybe you can team (laughs) up and make that happen. (laughs) I can see... Lynn can do the sciencey part behind it, and you can do the visual design of what this device looks like. Can't wait to see it happen in 20... I'm going to give you... I'll give you a solid, like, nine years. I'll go for the 2030 target. So, <laughs> 2030. I want to see the eco-friendly transportation device. I imagine it like a key ring, like a, maybe a USB
1: or something. Something like that. You, that would be tiny. I kind of want like you to draw that now. <laughs> <laughs> I could make the whole like branding campaign, the whole adverts and everything. That would be so fun.
0: What do you think is one thing that listeners can do to make this nice, safe world with lots of lovely people in it become a reality? I think that just listening to each other and
1: taking care of each other would be would create my ideal world i'd love that and i think that that's happening and people are doing it and there's so many amazing people that are leading the way with that and i just think more of that please yeah definitely
0: i think you know this episode this episode has been like a nice warm cup of tea i mean it's, we've had some we've had some really important stuff but i think yeah i want to just sit with a nice hot cup of tea and just be like mm. Natalie, world sounds nice <laughs> thank you for that and thank you for joining me this has been a lovely discussion and if you want to discover some nice fun art that also touches on important stuff whether it's like self-empowerment or sex education then you should definitely check out Natalie's work
1: thank you so much for having me it's been lovely speaking to you
0: What a nice episode that was and now the third episode where a teleportation device has been suggested as an invention. I think the scientists of the world need to get on that so that we all have that problem solved. Once they get to that you can follow the podcast at at idealisticallypod on instagram and at idealisticallyp on twitter. You can follow myself at at tolmeia on instagram and twitter which is spelled t-o-l-m-e-i-a And please do make sure to give the podcast a like, a review, a rating, subscribe, follow, whatever you're able to do on your favourite podcast platform so that we can share these beautiful, imaginative versions of the future with even more people. Sound and editing by myself and music by Stowe Gregory.